Welcome to episode 76 of the Wiccan Read Along podcast. This is your host, Phoenix the Reader. It's Monday, June 10th, 2019, and the moon is waxing. We'll have a full moon, sometimes called the Strong Sun Moon, on the 17th. This week, we're beginning Chapter 5 of The Spiral Dance, a rebirth of the ancient religion of the great goddess by Starhawk. Let's get started. Chapter 5, The Goddess Between the Worlds The Charge of the Goddess Listen to the words of the Great Mother, who of old was called Artemis, Astarte, Dione, Melusine, Aphrodite, Caridwen, Diana, Arianrod, Brigid, and by many other names. Whenever you have need of anything, once in the month, and better it be when the moon is full, you shall assemble in some secret place and adore the spirit of me who is queen of all the wise. You shall be free from slavery, and as a sign that you be free, you shall be naked in your rights. Sing, feast, dance, make music and love, all in my presence, for mine is the ecstasy of the spirit, and mine also is joy on earth. For my law is love unto all beings. Mine is the secret that opens upon the door of youth, and mine is the cup of wine of life that is the cauldron of Caridwen, that is the holy grail of immortality. I give the knowledge of the spirit eternal, and beyond death I give peace and freedom and reunion with those that have gone before. Nor do I demand aught of sacrifice, for behold, I am the mother of all things, and my love is poured upon the earth. Hear the words of the star goddess, the dust of whose feet are the hosts of heaven, whose body encircles the universe. I, who am the beauty of the green earth, and the white moon among the stars, and the mysteries of the waters, I call upon your soul to arise and come unto me. For I am the soul of nature that gives life to the universe. From me all things proceed, and unto me they must return. Let my worship be in the heart that rejoices, for behold, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. Let there be beauty and strength, power and compassion, honor and humility, mirth and reverence within you. And you who seek to know me, know that your seeking and yearning will avail you not unless you know the mystery. For if that which you seek you find not within yourself, you will never find it without. For behold, I have been with you from the beginning, and I am that which is attained at the end of desire. Adapted by Starhawk from Doreen Valiente The symbolism of the goddess has taken on an electrifying power for modern women. The rediscovery of the ancient matrifocal civilizations has given us a deep sense of pride in woman's ability to create and sustain culture. It has exposed the falsehoods of patriarchal history and given us models of female strength and authority. Once again, in today's world, we recognize the goddess, ancient and primeval, the first of deities, patroness of the Stone Age hunt, and of the first sowers of seeds, under whose guidance the herds were tamed, 
the healing herbs first discovered, in whose image the first works of art were created, for whom the standing stones were raised, who was the inspiration of song and poetry. She is the bridge on which we can cross the chasms within ourselves which were created by our social conditioning and reconnect with our lost potentials. She is the ship on which we sail the waters of the deep self, exploring the uncharted seas within. She is the door through which we pass into the future. She is the cauldron in which we who have been wrenched apart simmer until we again become whole. She is the vaginal passage through which we are reborn. A historical and or cross-cultural overview of the goddess and her symbols would itself require several volumes, and I will not attempt it in the limited space of this book, especially as much good material is already available. Instead, I will limit myself to discussing the goddess as seen through witchcraft and focus on her function and meaning for women and men today. People often ask me if I believe in the goddess. I reply, do you believe in rocks? It is extremely difficult for most Westerners to grasp the concept of a manifest deity. The phrase believe in itself implies that we cannot know the goddess, that she is somehow intangible, incomprehensible. But we do not believe in rocks. We may see them, touch them, dig them out of our gardens, or stop small children from throwing them at each other. We know them. We connect with them. In the craft, we do not believe in the goddess. We connect with her through the moon, the stars, the ocean, the earth, through trees, animals, through other human beings, through ourselves. She is here. She is within us all. She is the full circle, earth, air, fire, water, and essence. Body, mind, spirit, emotions change. The goddess is first of all earth, the dark nurturing mother who brings forth all life. She is the power of fertility and generation, the womb and also the receptive tomb, the power of death. All proceeds from her, all returns to her. As earth, she is also plant life, trees, the herbs and grains that sustain life. She is the body and the body is sacred. Womb, breast, belly, mouth, vagina, penis, bone, and blood. No part of the body is unclean. No aspect of the life processes is stained by any concept of sin. Birth, death, and decay are equally sacred parts of the cycle. Whether we are eating, sleeping, making love, or eliminating body wastes, we are manifesting the goddess. The earth goddess is also air and sky, the celestial queen of heaven, the star goddess, ruler of things felt but not seen, of knowledge, mind, and intuition. She is the muse who awakens all creations of the human spirit. She is the cosmic lover, the morning and evening star, Venus, who appears at the times of lovemaking. Beautiful and glittering, she can never be grasped or penetrated. The mind is drawn ever further in the drive to know the unknowable, to speak the inexpressible. She is the inspiration that comes with an indrawn breath. The celestial goddess is seen as the moon 
who is linked to women's monthly cycles of bleeding and fertility. Woman is the earthly moon. The moon is the celestial egg, drifting in the sky womb, whose menstrual blood is the fertilizing rain and the cool dew, who rules the tides of the oceans, the first womb of life on earth. So the moon is also mistress of waters, the waves of the sea, streams, springs, the rivers that are the arteries of Mother Earth, of lakes, deep wells, and hidden pools, and of feelings and emotions which wash over us like waves. The moon goddess has three aspects. As she waxes, she is the maiden. Full, she is the mother. As she wanes, she is the crone. Part of the training of every initiate involves periods of meditation on the goddess in her many aspects. I don't have space to include all of these, but I will share with you the meditations on the three aspects of the moon. Exercise 39. Waxing Moon Meditation. Ground and center. Visualize a silver crescent moon curving to the right. She is the power of beginning, of growth and generation. She is wild and untamed, like ideas and plans before they are tempered by reality. She is the blank page, the unplowed field. Feel your own hidden possibilities and latent potentials, your power to begin and grow. See her as a silver-haired girl running freely through the forest under the slim moon. She is virgin, eternally unpenetrated, belonging to no one but herself. Call her name Nimue and feel her power within you. Exercise 40, Full Moon Meditation. Ground and center and visualize a round full moon. She is the mother, the power of fruition and of all aspects of creativity. She nourishes what the new moon has begun. See her open arms, her full breasts, her womb burgeoning with life. Feel your own power to nurture, to give, to make manifest what is possible. She is the sexual woman. Her pleasure in union is the moving force that sustains all life. Feel the power in your own pleasure, in orgasm. Her color is the red of blood, which is life. Call her name Mari and feel your own ability to love. Exercise 41, Waning Moon Meditation. Ground and center, visualize a waning crescent curving to the left surrounded by a black sky. She is the old woman, the crone who has passed menopause, the power of ending, of death. All things must end to fulfill their beginnings. The grain that was planted must be cut down. The blank page must be destroyed for the work to be written. Life feeds on death. Death leads on to life, and in that knowledge lies wisdom. The crone is the wise woman, infinitely old. Feel your own age, the wisdom of evolution stored in every cell of your body. Know your own power to end, to lose as well as gain, to destroy what is stagnant and decayed. See the crone cloaked in black under the waning moon. Call her name Anu and feel her power in your own death. The triad of the moon becomes the pentad, the five-fold star of birth, initiation, ripening, reflection, and death. 
The goddess is manifest in the entire life cycle. Women are valued and respected in old age as well as youth. Birth and childhood, of course, are common to all cultures, but our society has not, until recently, conceptualized the stage of initiation of personal exploration and self-discovery as necessary for women. Girls were expected to pass directly from childhood to marriage and motherhood, from control by their fathers to control by their husbands. An initiation demands courage and self-reliance, traits that girls were not encouraged to develop. Today, the stage of initiation may involve establishing a career, exploring relationships, or developing one's creativity. Women who have missed this stage in their youth often find it necessary to go back to it later in life. The later stages of life can only fully be experienced after the initiation is completed and an individualized self has been formed. The stage of ripening is also called consummation, and it is the stage of full creativity. Relationships deepen and take on a sense of commitment. A woman may choose to mother children or to nurture a career, a project, or a cause. An artist or writer reaches her mature style. Creations, whether they are children, poems, or organizations, take on a life of their own. As they become independent and their demands diminish, the stage of reflection is reached. With age comes a new initiation, this one less physically active but deepened by the insights of experience. Old age, in witchcraft, is seen very positively as the time when activity has evolved into wisdom. It brings about the final initiation, which is death. These five stages are embodied in our lives, but they can also be seen within every new enterprise or creative project. Each book, each painting, each new job is born first as an idea. It undergoes an initiatory period of exploration, which is frightening at times because we are forced to learn new things. As we grow comfortable with a new skill or concept, the project can be consummated. It exists independently. As we let go, other people read the book, view the painting, eat the food, or apply the knowledge we have taught. Finally, it is over. It dies and we go on to something new. The pentacle, all five lobed leaves, and five petaled flowers are sacred to the goddess as pentad. The apple is especially her emblem because when it is sliced crosswise, the embedded seeds form a pentacle. The nature of the goddess is never single. Wherever she appears, she embodies both poles of duality, life in death, death in life. She has a thousand names, a thousand aspects. She is the milk cow, the weaving spider, the honey bee with its piercing sting. She is the bird of the spirit and the sow that eats its own young, the snake that sheds its skin and is renewed, the cat that sees in the dark, the dog that sings to the moon, all are her. She is the light and the darkness, the patroness of love and death, who makes manifest all possibilities. She brings both comfort and pain. It is easy to respond to the concept of goddess as muse or mother, to inspiration, nurturing, and healing power. It is more difficult to understand the goddess as destroyer. 
Judeo-Christian dualism has conditioned us to think of destruction as synonymous with evil. Although, goddess knows, the Jehovah of the Old Testament was far from all sweetness and light. Most of us live removed from nature, cut off from the experiences that constantly remind more primitive people that every act of creation is an act of aggression. To plant a garden, you must dig out the weeds, crush the snails, thin the seedlings as they reach toward the light. To write a book, you must destroy draft after draft of your own work, cutting apart paragraphs and striking out words and sentences. Creation postulates change, and any change destroys what went before. The creatrix destroyer is manifest in fire, which destroys all it feeds on in order to create warmth and light. Fire is the nurturing hearth, the creative fire of the forge, the joyous bonfire of celebration. But the goddess is also the raging fire of anger. The power of anger is difficult to face. We identify anger with violence, and women have been conditioned to feel that our anger is wrong and unacceptable. Yet anger is a manifestation of the life force. It is a survival emotion, a warning signal that something in our environment is threatening. Danger triggers a physical, psychic, and emotional response that mobilizes our energy to change the situation. Being human, we respond to verbal and emotional attacks as threats, which arouse anger. But when we cannot admit our own anger, instead of recognizing the threat in the environment, we experience ourselves as wrong. Instead of flowing outward to change the environment, our energy becomes locked into internal efforts at repression and control. The goddess liberates the energy of our anger. It is seen as sacred, and its power is purified. Like a forest fire in undisturbed wilderness, it sweeps away the underbrush so that the seedlings of our creativity can receive the nourishing sunlight. We control our actions. We do not attempt to control our feelings. Anger becomes a connecting force that spurs honest confrontations and communications with others. I have spoken of the goddess as psychological symbol and also as manifest reality. She is both. She exists, and we create her. The symbols and attributes associated with the goddess speak to younger self and, through it, to the deep self. They engage us emotionally. We know the goddess is not the moon, but we still thrill to its light glinting through branches. We know the goddess is not a woman, but we respond with love as if she were, and so connect emotionally with all the abstract qualities behind the symbol. Many shapes and symbols represent the goddess. Eyes, which schematically are also breasts, symbolize her nurturing powers and the gift of inner sight. The crescent represents the moon. A waxing and waning crescent, back to back, becomes the labrys, or double axe, the weapon of goddess cultures. Triangles, ovals, and lozenges, the shapes of the female genitals, are her symbols as well. As part of an initiate's training, she is taught to visualize symbols, to meditate on them and play with them in her imagination until they reveal their meaning directly. Any symbol or aspect of the goddess can be a basis for meditation, 
but as I have space for only one example, I will choose the double spiral. Exercise 42, the double spiral. Ground and center. Visualize a double spiral. When you see it clearly, let it grow until you stand within it and follow it inward, moving counterclockwise. It becomes a maze of high, clipped hedges, then a labyrinth of stone walls. Its winding turns are the passageway to a hidden secret. As you move through the spiral, the world dissolves, form dissolves, until you are in the hidden heart where birth and death are one. The center of the spiral shines. It is the North Star, and the arms of the spiral are the Milky Way, a myriad of stars slowly revolving around the still center point. You are in Spiral Castle at the back of the North Wind. Explore it in your imagination. See who you meet, what you learn. You are in the womb of the goddess, floating free. Now feel yourself pushed and squeezed, moving out through the spiral, which is now the vaginal passage of rebirth. Move clockwise through the double spiral of your DNA. Now it becomes a whirlwind. Fly with it. Let it become the twining tendril of a plant, a crystal, a shell, an orbiting electron. Time is a spiral, the cycles endlessly repeating, yet always moving. Know the spiral as the underlying form of all energy. As you emerge, let it return to its small, abstract, symbolic form. Thank it and let it disappear. The charge of the goddess at the opening of this chapter reflects the craft understanding of the goddess. It begins with a long list of goddess names drawn from many cultures. These are not seen as separate beings, but rather as different aspects of the same being that is all beings. The names used may change with the seasons or preferences of the speaker. For example, the goddess might be named Kore in the spring, after the maiden aspect of the Greek goddess. A witch of Jewish heritage might call on the ancient Hebrew goddess as Ashima or Asherah. An Afro-American witch might prefer Yemaya, the West African goddess of the sea and love. In most traditions of the craft, the inner name of the goddess is recognized to embody great power and so is kept secret, revealed only to initiates. The outer names often used are Diana, for the goddess of the moon, and Aradia, her daughter, whom legends say was sent to earth to liberate people by teaching them the arts of magic. Need of anything refers to both spiritual and material needs. In witchcraft, there is no separation. The goddess is manifest in the food we eat, the people we love, the work we do, the homes in which we live. It is not considered ignoble to ask for needed goods and comforts. Work for yourself, and you will see that self is everywhere, is a saying of the fairy tradition. It is through the material world that we open ourselves to the goddess. But witchcraft also recognizes that when material needs are satisfied, deeper needs and longings may remain. These can only be satisfied by connection with the nurturing, life-giving forces within, which we call goddess. The coven meets at the full moon, in honor of the goddess at the height of her glory. The tides of subtle power are considered to be strongest when the moon is full. 
The goddess is identified with the fructifying lunar energy that illumines the secret dark, the feminine, tidal, pulsating power that waxes and wanes in harmony with woman's menstrual flow. The sun is identified with her male polar self, the god, whose festivals are celebrated at eight points of power in the solar cycle. Let's leave off there in Chapter 5 of The Spiral Dance by Starhawk. Next time, we will continue this chapter on the goddess. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Wiccan Podcast. If you'd like to donate to help me cover the cost of books and my monthly SoundCloud subscription, please visit GoFundMe.com Wicca. I would really appreciate donations at this time, as I am working three jobs to try and make ends meet. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you so much for listening to the Wiccan Read-Along podcast. This is Phoenix the Reader signing out. Blessed be.